in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard has a Star Talk report that highlights the Lyrid Meteor Shower on display this week. Sweetwater fishing guide Evan Padua honors Earth Day in this week's Hooked on Fishing report. Local resident Linda Murphy expresses sentiment about her farm and country paintings currently on display in the Tustin Cup Cafe on Main Street in Narrowsburg, New York. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country, but first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Amy Held. Russia is resuming strikes on what's said to be the last Ukrainian defenders in Mariupol holed up in a giant steelworks. At the same time, a senior Russian military official is laying out their strategy for the war in Ukraine, indicating Moscow is seeking full control over southern cities along the Black Sea. NPR's Brian Mann reports from the area. Ukrainians in their path say they won't let that happen. A top commander of Russia's central military district was quoted by official media saying a takeover of southern Ukraine would give his country land access to Crimea and to a breakaway Russian ethnic enclave in another country, Moldova. Ukrainian officials say the statement is evidence Russia's military ambitions go beyond claiming the eastern Donbas region. Ukraine is scrambling to fortify cities on the southern front, including Mykolaiv, where Dmitry Davidenko is a volunteer helping Ukraine's army. We are all brave people and we want to get victory and we will do it. U.S. officials say artillery donated to Ukraine's war effort will arrive in the country soon. Brian Mann, NPR News, Southern Ukraine. In New Mexico, some dozen wildfires have consumed tens of thousands of acres with strong winds making firefighting efforts extremely difficult and air conditions near Santa Fe hazardous. From Texas to Nevada, multiple fires are burning. Around Colorado Springs, a fire has forced hundreds to evacuate. Governor Jared Polis calls it unprecedented. This is the most uh, highest risk April that we've ever had late for late April in Colorado. Polis says Colorado is investing $20 million in a new wildfire prevention plan that includes air tankers and helicopters. The Biden administration is appealing after a federal judge ended the transportation mask mandate, but is not seeking an emergency order to reinstate it. NPR's Selena Simmons-Duffin reports the administration's longer-term goal may include no mandate for now. The government may be taking its time for a reason, says Stephen Vladek. He teaches law at the University of Texas, and he says because the CDC mask mandate is already set to expire on May 3rd. It seems possible that the government's real goal is to wipe off of the books Judge Mizell's ruling striking it down. This is based on a legal doctrine that if the dispute in a case becomes moot during the appeals process, the higher court can vacate the lower court's decision. Vladek says this way, Mizell's ruling wouldn't be a precedent looming over CDC, limiting its powers in the future. Selena Simmons-Duffin, NPR News. 
In the U.S., weekly COVID cases are up 35 percent, but the CDC says most communities are considered low risk, in part because hospitalizations remain low. The BA2 subvariant is behind three-quarters of all new cases. It's NPR News. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wallenpapak, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farming Country. Coming up on today's show, Sweetwater Fishing Guide Evan Padua honors Earth Day in his Hooked on Fishing report. Linda Murphy expresses her sentiment about her Farming Country paintings currently on display in the Tustin Cup Cafe on Main Street in Narrowsburg, New York. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with a Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. Country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. The Lear and Meteor Shower will be expected to reach its peak tonight and into tomorrow morning. In those hours, the constellation Lyra the Harp will be nearly directly overhead. Lyra will rise around 9 p.m., but it won't be until after midnight that the constellation will be high enough to offer good viewing. The Lear and Meteor Shower occurs each year from about April 16th through the 25th. The Lyrids are a modest meteor shower, producing 10 to 20 meteors an hour at its peak. Unlike other meteor showers, they are not a predictable shower and at times have produced up to 100 meteors per hour. The meteors are debris from Comet Thatcher. Comet Thatcher last graced our skies in 1861 on its 415-year journey around the sun. We will not see the comet again until the year 2276. The last quarter moon will be in the sky beginning around 3.45 a.m. tomorrow morning. The moon may wash out the last couple hours of the meteor shower. It will be low enough in the sky that you could position the moon behind a building or trees to block its light. If you cannot do that, you still have several hours between midnight and moonrise to watch the shower. So, find a dark place away from city lights and lie back comfortably while looking in all parts of the sky. The best opportunity to watch the Lyrid Meteor Shower will be early in the morning tomorrow. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Evan Padua bringing you Hooked on Fishing. Rolling, 
Happy Earth Day, everyone. Yes, Earth Day. Earth is this planet we humans call home, in case you forgot. Treating our home with respect is very important. This Earth spins and revolves around the sun so perfectly, it can sustain a livable ecosystem for all of us. Truly incredible. How do you celebrate Earth Day? This week, it is very common to see organizations and individuals outside doing roadside cleanups. This is a great way to help and raise awareness about not littering. We can all physically help clean up areas where garbage gets accumulated disrespectfully. But I believe it is more beneficial to spread the word and knowledge of disposing of garbage and recycling in the correct manner. So I ask of folks out there, to please be mindful of your garbage and please dispose of all of it in the proper receptacles. And if you can, please dedicate some time to cleaning up an outside area in need. Spring has sprung. The fish are well aware of this. After torrential rain in early April, most of the reservoirs in the Delaware system began to spill water over their respective dams in a very high volume. With this large amount of water, came millions of alewives, a herring species that live in the reservoirs. The turbulent waterfalls over the dams tend to be a mortal experience for these two to six inch fish, and they proceed to float down our rivers deceased. Fish, game fish become aware of this and feed heavily on the dead fish as they float down our Delaware River. These fish were visible along the shorelines for most of the past two weeks. Brown trout and fly fishermen have been patiently waiting for the water temperatures to hit 50 degrees, and this way, the first mayfly hatch of the season will begin heavily. Hendrickson's and blue quills can be found hatching this time of year, and the trout will be eating them, on the surface and under the surface, during their nymph and emerging stage of life. American shad have been migrating up the Delaware since early April. The cult of American shad fishermen are out and seeking these fish. Early morning and late evening, when the sun is low in the sky, is the best time to target shad, with a light-colored shad dart or fly in about 4 to 6 feet of steady moving water. Warming water temperatures will make American shad easier to catch. Have a happy Earth Day, everyone. For Radio Catskill, Farm and Country, and Hooked on Fishing, this has been Evan Padua, casting off. This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. A few weeks ago in early spring, as the ice was melting on the river and the earth was dense with mud, I found myself at the Tustin Cup Cafe on Main Street in Narrowsburg, sipping one of my favorite new beverages, mud water. I noticed the display of the artwork on the walls in the room overlooking the Big Eddy. The artwork expresses farm and country beauty in the Delaware River Valley. 
The artist Linda Murphy took the time to meet me at the Tustin Cup to share a conversation about what inspires her work. My name is Linda Murphy, and I live in Wayne County, up northern Wayne mostly. And um, I'm originally from New Jersey. I've been here since 1993. I used to visit here as a kid, Damara Lane, down from the Tustin Theater. My Uncle Sal's property was down there. I came up here with my parents. My parents eventually built a house near the Delaware and vacationed and then eventually moved here full-time to raise my family. Moving here was a beautiful thing for me because I've always loved the countryside. I um, vacationed in New England and Vermont and Pennsylvania as a kid and was always more in love with that landscape than the beach landscape in which I was raised. And um, so it really sort of came around to be pretty amazing that I ended up living here and raising my family here, and that's how my interest in documenting this landscape came to be. Well, we can see from what's hanging on the wall here at the Tustin Cup, you have uh, several images, and you've named them. I love some of the names that you have here, Sonny the Pig, Mommy and Me. It looks like two goats. You have a tree farm. You do landscapes. How did you become so inspired to paint so beautifully the farm and country landscape of, it looks like, Wayne County? I think it's because I love the farm community so much. There's something about the bucolic nature of the farms, the rolling hills, uh, the Pennsylvania countryside, the beauty of the whole farming process and what that means for people in this country, for our food supply, for the earth raising the animals to growing the vegetables, the way farmers work, the blood, sweat, and tears they put into their work. And I just feel like it's so important. I mean, honestly, I see, I see it dying off in our area and in many areas across the country. It's actually very heartbreaking to me. That's not the reason why I started painting. I think it just was a natural expression of my love for the area, for taking walks, going for hikes, going for bike rides, and seeing all of this beauty around me. I just had to express it. And as I, my painting skills grew, I just kept finding more ways to do that. And it's just been a wonderful experience for me, and it's a great way for me to express my love for the beauty around us. We're very lucky. What a beautiful gift from God we all have here. Yes, I have to agree that life in the Delaware Valley area and the farm and countryside of Wayne County is exquisite. I do a lot of walking and driving, and it's sad to see the decline of the dairy farms, but there's such beauty in the landscape, the rolled hay, horses out in the snow at times. It's beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about your background as an artist. Were you formally trained? Did you go to school? And what mediums are you using for these paintings? Okay, I'm not formally trained. I am mostly self-taught. When my son was born in 1990, I played around with drawing. I used to draw as a kid, and I discovered that I could draw. I didn't know I could draw. <laughs> and and from there, I started to paint and dabble a little bit in acrylic and things. And as things grew, I started to become more and more interested and absorb everything I could, like a sponge from you know books and magazines to workshops and seminars and YouTube videos, you name it. And over the years, I just taught myself and took whatever courses I could, starting with acrylic, but soon dropped that for oil. I was actually even doing portraits there for a little while, which I've really stepped away from and have not gone back to. I just took a break. I took like a 10-year break 
to ride my bike. I got into cycling and um, cycling around this area is just another joy of mine and that sort of took the place of painting for a number of years. And so then when I went back to it, portraits was no longer something you could just pick up like where you left off. You really have to go back to that slowly. But the process of learning has been slow and steady. I find that the oils are more suited for my, my animals. So for my farm animals, I love to do palette knife painting with that. That's sort of like a very expressive way to paint. My floral paintings are, I do mostly with pastel. Both of those are self-taught. I love both mediums. They're my favorite. And they are a great way for me to express um, the way I feel about my subject because I can be loose with both of them. I, I really like to be as loose as possible. It's, it's a good way for me to express how I truly feel about the subject. So um, it's important to me to be able to do that. Now, the paintings that you have here of animals, they're very up close. Animals roam around. Do you take photographs of them before you start painting? Yes, yes. Sometimes I take photographs. I do live near a number of farms, and I also have friends that have a number of farms. So I have permission to walk around and take photos. I also have friends send me photos of their farms, of their animals, so I have that. And then there's also places where you can go and legally get photos that you can use and you can, you know, manipulate to become your own in whatever way. But the three that you're talking about are from photographs that I took that I changed to make them my own. As far as the landscapes go, some of them are from photographs, but others are from being there in plain air on site. You know, I start the painting on site with my easel and my paints and my, you know, my little umbrella and all that stuff. And then I bring it home and I finish it at home. So you take photographs and you kind of do a, a mixture of the two. Because mm -hmm. I don't want to represent a photograph exactly. I want to make it my own. One of the paintings that you've done in plein air, is that a dairy farm, an old dairy that farm? Is, that is Niles Pond Farm, and that is a couple miles from my home. And um, it's a beautiful farm up on a hill. I drove down past the farm where we actually get our meat from and uh, kept going and I saw this farm and I said I'm coming back here and I brought my car and all my stuff and I set up and I was there for like five hours that day and I finished it at home and it, it's one of my favorite paintings that I've done of a landscape actually. I'm going to be doing more of that this year and I actually had the pleasure of painting outdoors with Jay Brooks last year which I think a lot of people around here know Jay, and that was a real great experience, and I hope to do that again this year. Some of your other landscapes, they're quite colorful. Do you have a favorite season that you paint? I don't have a favorite season to paint, but I do have a favorite season. Uh, my favorite season is the spring, when the leaves are tiny and neon green, and you can still see the landscape through the woods. It's not blocked out by too many leaves. It's not too much green, because green can be overwhelming. But I like to paint all the seasons. I think they're all fun and beautiful. Well, one here that's romantic for me is something called Tree Farm, and it looks like Christmas trees. Probably in a August or September setting, October, because the grasses are dry and golden. And this lovely one, Marsh View, tell us about that one. Marsh View is right up the road from my home, and there is a barn right there, and um, there is a marsh right alongside the road with that exact view. And um, I just did that painting. And then the tree farm, I improvised a lot. But yes, you are right. That was taken in the fall. I changed a lot of that from the original photo. There is a painting hanging in 
the River Gallery, that was produced by James McKinley. His painting is in the window. And that painting actually inspired me to paint this tree farm painting because I stopped dead in my tracks when I saw that painting. It was so beautifully done. I wish I could have met him. I was very sad to learn this year that he had passed. I didn't realize that. Yes, we lost a few prominent people in our community over the last couple of years. And I guess that's why it's so special to stand here with you now. Our lives have been challenged in so many ways, and you bring such beauty to our eyes in the community. At this point in your life, do you consider your artwork a hobby? I don't consider it a hobby at all. Uh, I think that I've been forced to treat it as a hobby because of my need to work and to make a living. And uh, recently, someone that I know pretty well had passed away just two years after retiring. And even though I'm not in retirement age, I'm not that far from it. And I believe that was a real wake-up call for me. That combined with the pandemic, realizing what's important and if you're not going to pursue this dream of yours now, when are you going to? I made a decision last year that I was going to pursue things more seriously, and I have been, and I'm very, very excited for the upcoming years. Linda, we never talked about your professional life. What is it that you do? Well, I am a marketing communications specialist for Bold Gold Media Group, and um, that is WSUL, WVOS, WYCY, which is 105.3, 95.3 DNH, and some three stations over in Scranton, Wilkesbury Market as well. Well, I love it that you're on the Radio Catskill Airwaves. I took the opportunity to go to your webpage, which is very well organized and expresses a lot of your work. Uh, tell us about the other mediums that you use? I paint in pastel, in oil, and in gouache when I'm doing a sketchbook study. So gouache is fun. It's sort of like watercolor. I like to use that. Uh, however, my favorites are definitely oil and pastel. Um, in both of those cases, I like to work loosely. I really appreciate um, expressive strokes, whether it be with pastel or oil. I like bright color, and for me, it's really important to stay loose. I, I use a palette knife to try and stay loose as much as possible with oil, and pastels are probably the most expressive, fun medium that you could imagine. If anybody has ever wanted to try them, it's instant gratification, instant color at your fingertips. There's no mixing. There's nothing between you and the canvas or the paper. You literally just pick it up and say, oh, I'm going to try this color, and it's just an amazing experience um, to paint with a pastel. It's the most gratifying, I would say, because there's there's just no struggle. Well, with pastels, is that permanent, the way oil or acrylic is? Well, oil is typically on a canvas or a board, uh, some kind of a hard surface, and that's permanent, of course. Pastel needs more care in, in its framing and in its handling. So pastel stays permanent because it is usually applied to sanded paper, that's mounted on a board of some kind, and then it's framed behind glass. And the reason that is is to keep, obviously, dirt and dust off of the surface of the painting and also just like a watercolor. You wouldn't leave a watercolor out exposed to the elements. You don't do that with pastel either. Uh, it does need protection. Here we are in a coffee shop that shows more than a handful of your work, and we're on the street that has galleries with formal art. 
What is your feeling about exhibiting as an artist your work here rather than being in a gallery? Valerie is um, a wonderful girl. This Tustin Cup is a great place to sit and get your coffee. This shop is probably one of the most welcoming stores in the town of Narrowsburg, in my opinion. It's a casual atmosphere. It's, it's just a place to relax. And I'm really honored to be able to put my art on the walls of a place like that. I like the fact that people can relax here and they don't feel like pressure to buy or pressure to look or inhibited by, oh, not knowing a lot about art. You know, a lot of people get inhibited about being in galleries, and it's a shame, but it is a fact. And um, to be here in this casual environment is is, um, a great honor to me. I'm very happy to be here. Everything is temporary in life. (laughs) After you leave the Tustin Cup, what's next for you? Well, I'm here through the end of May, and I don't know what's after that here in the Tustin Cup. However, I do have some work hanging in the Art Factory in White Mills, Pennsylvania, and I am scheduled to be hanging in Three Hammers Winery over by Woodlock Pines in Holly for the entire month of July. So I'm actually producing a body of work for that. That will be exciting. I'm really honored to have that opportunity as well. And then we'll see from there. Linda Murphy. It's such a pleasure to be at the Tustin Cup with you in front of your artwork. Is there anything you'd like to add to our conversation before we close? Well, I want to thank you again for the opportunity. I'm really very honored and excited to be here, and I'm very excited to be hanging here in the Tustin Cup as well. I would like to add, you know, come see my work, obviously, um, at the Art Factory here at Tustin Cup and at Three Hammers Winery in July which is in Holly, and um, my, my website is lindamurphyfineart.com. I am available for commissions, uh, especially for pet portraits. I like to do those for people if um, anyone needs a pet portrait. I, I love to do those. Um, animals are one of my favorite subjects. We haven't talked about Sullivan County yet with your inspiration. Any aspirations for painting Sullivan County? Yes, absolutely. I believe that the river down in Calicoon is absolutely beautiful. Um, Pucky Huddle Road, right off of, I think, 17. And I, I want to go down in there and paint through there. The countryside in Jeffersonville and in Bethel. There are so many areas in, in Sullivan County that are absolutely beautiful. Especially with my ambitions to paint more in plain air this year, I would like to get over to the other side of the river. I'm, I only live 15 minutes from the river, and uh, there's a lot of beautiful countryside over there. I have to agree with you. I do walk the hills off the back roads in Sullivan County, and there's the landscape line, no matter what time of the year, especially at sunset. It's just lovely. The Catskills, old and round and smooth and beautiful. Yes, uh, there is definitely something about Sullivan County that's different about Wayne County. There is definitely a difference. But New York in general, uh, the state of New York, is absolutely stunning. And there's so much of New York I'd like to paint. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us and for honoring the earth with your artwork. That's the first impression I had of your artwork is that you have a mindful, almost spiritual quality about your artwork. Thank you so much for for saying that. That really means very much to me. I love this area with all my heart. I love the farmland. I, I love the life of the farming community, and I really appreciate what these people do for 
this country. And I hope that my work expresses that. That's I, I hope people get joy and can look at my work and say, you know, wow, that's beautiful. That makes me feel good to look at that. That makes me smile. And uh, that's that's what I'm, I hope for. So that's wonderful to hear. And thank you very much. As our conversation closed, Linda proudly mentioned that her husband, Tom Harrison, does the framing for her beautiful paintings. Hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard and Evan Padua. Special thanks goes to our guest, local artist Linda Murphy, for honoring the beauty of the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to and supporting Farm and Country on Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit, taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org on a recent Wait Wave, Karen Chi wondered about the new high-tech system that baseball catchers are using to communicate with pitchers. Is it like texting? Because then it'd be nice if the pitcher, you know, could periodically just send a text that's like, keep it up, I love you. I'm Peter Segel. We'll be sending our messages of affection.